January 6, 2008, our lesson for today is the physical touch is the sign of love. And our text is John 3.16, which is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God bless the reading of his word. Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you afresh for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ, for the perfect teaching ministry of your blessed Holy Spirit, and for his ability to explain your word. So give us the words to say and let us say them with liberty, with clarity, and with boldness, and that somebody listening might believe the report. Thanking you in advance for all that you are going to do in the strong and perfect name of Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Now, thank you very much for coming to hear the message for today. And before we begin this, our next lesson, let us reiterate our reason for coming to church. We attend church to obtain the mind of Christ, meaning to have the Bible illuminated in our minds so that we can clearly understand the principles that Jesus taught and base our daily personal decisions on those principles. We come to church because we want to be obedient to the Bible, which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ in an informed, insightful, and intelligent manner. Now, before our end-of-the-year interruption, we looked at four different ways for a spouse to show love to his or her mate, those being speaking words of affirmation to your spouse, spending quality time with your spouse, giving gifts to your spouse, and committing to and performing routine acts of service for your spouse. For most people, one of these methods of showing love elicits a stronger response than the rest. If you have a spouse, that responds most strongly to receiving words of affirmation, and you show your love for your spouse by either giving gifts or performing routine acts of service, you may find yourself sending a message of love to your spouse that your spouse does not fully receive. And it can become a serious problem in a marriage when one spouse does not recognize the way that the other spouse receives messages of love most strongly. Often, when love appears to be lost between spouses, it may not be that the commitment to love is actually lost, but that the messages of love sent by one spouse are not received by the other. It is analogous to one spouse speaking Spanish while the other is listening in German. 1 Corinthians 14, 8-11 explains, For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. So in our marriages, we can become foreigners to one another by not sending our love to our spouse in the way that our spouse most receives it. In our lesson of three weeks ago, we talked about Bill and his wife, Betty Jo, who contacted their counselor because of their marital problems. The counselor diagnosed their problem as them not giving each other enough affirming words. And the counselor advised them to make a list of the good things that they did for each other and then to start complimenting one another for the good things that each of them did. Bill was ecstatic about the change in their relationship. 
Betty Jo, however, was much less enthusiastic. She told the counselor, Bill is a good provider, but he doesn't spend any time with me. What good is the house and the recreational vehicle and all the other things if we don't ever enjoy them together? So after Betty Jo proved not to be that moved by the compliments of her husband, the counselor recognized that affirming words did not do it for Betty Jo. He contacted Bill and said, Bill, you're doing a great job of complimenting Betty Jo, but I have discovered that she has a different way of recognizing your love than listening to you talk about it. She told me that the way she recognizes your love is the amount of time that you spend focusing on her and her needs. So here we have a concrete example of a man trying to show love to his wife, but his wife was not able to receive his love gift because it was wrapped in the wrong package. Bill was very busy trying to climb the corporate ladder, but he found that in order for his wife to see and experience his love, he had to do more than just be successful and bring her the fruits of his labor. He had to spend more focused, quality time with her to meet her specific need to feel loved. Now, it is important to remember that spouses usually come from different backgrounds. We may share religion, ethnicity, occupation, and even socioeconomic status, but we probably come from two different households with two different sets of parents that brought us up in two different ways. That which was very important in my house was probably less so in my wife's house and vice versa. My mother and father probably had strengths in areas other than the strengths of my wife's parents. And as a function of our different genders, we had other different formative experiences. We are two different people, and we need to understand that although we may agree on religion, politics, and economics, the chances are great that we will respond differently to various emotional stimuli, and it is important for each of us to find out that which the other find most important and to show love in that way. Showing love is an act of the will that aims to stimulate the emotions of the object of our affections, and we cannot complete our love task unless we find out the most effective way to do so. Now, we have examined four different ways of showing emotional love to our spouse, those being speaking words of affirmation to our spouses, spending quality time with our spouses, giving gifts to our spouses, and performing routine acts of service for our spouse. Now, the fifth way of showing love has to do with physical touch. For many people, physical touch is the predominant way to communicate love. Child development experts will tell us that babies who are held, hugged, and kissed on a regular basis generally develop healthier emotional lives than those who are left for long periods of time without physical contact. The importance of physical touch as a way to show love is not a modern idea. In the first century, the Hebrews living in the Palestine, recognizing Jesus as a great teacher, brought their children to him to have him touch them. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16 records, then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, 
whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Physical touch, as in the laying on of hands, has long been connected with healing. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 tells us, When Jesus had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Now, was it necessary for Jesus to touch the leper to heal him? I doubt it, because in some cases, Jesus healed with just a word. The leper, however, had probably not been touched in some time because the disease of leprosy is spread by physical contact and first century individuals avoided touching lepers. But Jesus' touch healed the leper, and it also restored the leper to the community of human fellowship. Most people use physical touch as a sign of fellowship. How do you feel about someone who will not shake your hand when you extend it? Aren't you put off by this rejection? If the person is someone with whom you've had a relationship, wouldn't you inquire as to the nature of the problem between you that caused them not to shake your hand? As touch relates to marriage, Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 10, verse 6 through 8, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female, and for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Now it is instructive that Jesus does not say that we who are to be married are one in mind, or one in spirit, or one in soul, although such total oneness is to be desired. Jesus specifies that we are to achieve essential oneness through touch by becoming one in flesh. The creation of woman is equally instructive. God used part of the man's body as the raw material to form the woman and then declared the necessity for that which had been taken out of man to reunify with man so that man would become one once again. And God was so serious about our physical unity that he left us in the garden naked so that we would have the maximum amount of skin area immediately available to commune with one another. At the completion of God's creation, Genesis 2.25 tells us, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The entire rationale for the fashion industry and the reason that we have clothes is sin. Not the avoidance of sin, but because of sin itself. After the man and woman sinned by eating the forbidden fruit, Genesis 3, 7 through 10 tells us, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. 
The devil's persuasion brought sin into the world and took away our physical openness with one another and by extension our intellectual and spiritual openness when openness with one another as well. Lucifer brought us sin, which is a mindset that makes us feel afraid and ashamed to come before God and to display ourselves to one another without a covering to keep us from showing our true selves. And as we have read, physical touch was the initial way that God created us for us to show love. And for many people, physical touch is still the way that they determine that their mate loves them. In marriage, the touch of love may take many forms. Touch receptors are located throughout the body. Touching, lovingly touching your spouse almost anywhere can be an expression of love. Now, some touching is purposeful and demands your full attention. A message, a massage, or foreplay culminating in marital relations is a type, such a type of touch. Other touching may be more incidental and requires only a moment such as putting your hand on your spouse's shoulder as you pour a cup of coffee or rubbing against your spouse as you pass in the kitchen. Purposeful love touches obviously take more time, not only in actual touching, but in developing your understanding of how to communicate love to your spouse in this way. If a back massage communicates love loudly to your spouse, then the time, money, and energy you spend in learning to be a good masseur or masseuse will be well invested. If marital relations are your mate's primary way of receiving your love, reading about and discussing the methodology that brings each of you the most pleasure will enhance your expression of love. And incidental love touches may also be just as important as purposeful love touches to the person whose primary way of recognizing love is physical touch. We are often in situations where purposeful love touches are not appropriate and incidental touches can help us to show up our feeling of love for one another. Holding hands as we walk or touching one another underneath the table in restaurants are examples of incidental touch that speaks volumes to a person that for whom physical touch is the sign of love. In a time of crisis, we find it almost instinctive to hug one another because physical touch is such a powerful communicator of love. In a time of crisis more than anything, we need to feel love. We cannot always change events, but we can survive if we feel loved. And all marriages will experience crises. The death of parents is inevitable. Automobile accidents cripple and kill thousands each year. Disease is no respecter of persons. Disappointments are a part of life. The most important thing you can do for your mate in a time of crisis is to love him or her. And if your spouse's primary sign of love is physical touch, nothing is more important than holding him or her as he or she cries. Your words may mean little, but your physical touch will communicate that you care. Crises provide a unique opportunity for expressing love. Your tender touches will be remembered long after the crisis has passed. Your failure to touch may never be forgotten. In John 3, 16 and 17, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
Jesus' primary purpose for coming into the world was to forgive our sins. He was sent to a nation that had a leadership group in which many were unwilling to recognize that they needed forgiveness for their sins. Many of the common people in this nation, however, had a serious sense of their own sinfulness and were drawn to the forgiveness that Jesus exuded. A particular instance of this is described in the scripture. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 38 records, Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now the sinful woman did not come to the Pharisee's house to interrupt the conversation by confessing her sins to Jesus. She did not feel herself worthy of his forgiveness, but she understood instinctively that Jesus was a man that provided comfort for others, and the one thing she needed was comfort. The woman decided to comfort herself by physical contact with Jesus in the most sacrificial way that she could. Jesus understood what the woman was doing, but the Pharisee did not have a clue. Luke 7.39 records, Now the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, and he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now Jesus, because of his reputation for doing miracles, was thought of by people in the class of the prophets, who along with their forth-telling the words of God, did miraculous signs to validate their prophecies. The Pharisees thought that it was righteous to reject association with sinners, even their very touch, and so the Pharisee reasoned that if Jesus was truly a holy man, he would reject the touch of a sinner as well. Jesus, however, knew the error in the Pharisee's reasoning and decided to teach a short lesson to correct the error. Luke 7, 42 records, And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have, righteously, you have rightly judged. Now, Jesus in his story equates forgiveness with love. He then goes on to contrast the self-righteous Pharisee with the woman. Luke 7, 44 through 50 records, Then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. 
for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who sat at table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who can even forgive sin? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now the sign of the woman's faith was not her intellectual argument, but the fact that she physically ministered to Jesus. Understand that although forgiveness is an intellectual construct, that, and that we can decide to forgive someone without being in the room with them and touching them, that the physical response to another person is a serious sign of love. Jesus Christ did not, did not only forgive us intellectually, but he came to our planet physically and showed us by his physical acts that we are truly loved by God and that our sins are forgiven. Jesus could have stayed in heaven and sent us a book to study or a list of commandments to memorize through the prophets, but he rather chose to come to earth physically and give us the physical example of his sacrifice. The cross upon which he chose to die was made from real wood, like the wood in this pulpit. The nails with which they pierced him were made of real metal, like the spikes that hold the railroad tracks into the ground. The flesh that he gave those that, that crucified him was real flesh like ours. And none of us is going to go home this afternoon and drive a nail through our wrists because of the pain and agony that such an act would cause us. Jesus Christ, however, came down from heaven and wrapped himself in physical flesh so that he could touch us, so that we could touch him, and so that he could suffer as we suffer and learn the obedience to God that we need to know from the physical process of suffering. Jesus, as Hebrews 5, 7 through 10 records, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, would vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now we can see through the example of Jesus, love being shown through physical touch. Jesus came so that he could actually touch the people, so that the people could actually touch him, and so that he could actually experience the physical as God created it in Genesis. And while some experience love most intensely through the spoken word of affirmation or through spending quality time or through receiving gifts or through, ha or through having routine acts of service performed for them, others experience love most intensely through physical touch. Participating in marital relations is known colloquially as making love because of the physical closeness involved and the fact that this physical closeness and union was God's initial way, even before sin entered the world, for us to show our love for one another. Within the unique institution of marriage, our physical response to one another is the signature sign of love and caring, and to participate in the marital union is to show our love for one another in the most concrete way possible. But love 
in the final analysis is a choice. We have explored the various signs of love that we can show one another and have determined that it is in our best interest of our marriages to find out which sign of love that our spouse most desires and to show our love in the way that our spouse will most receive it. We can also communicate the sign of love that we most desire to our spouses and then hope that our spouse will receive the message and reciprocate in kind. Matthew 20, 25 to 28 tells us, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The essence of love is the choice to give. Sometimes our spouse fails to do that which makes us feel love. When this happens, our feelings for our spouse start to fade, and the emotion of love with which we started our relationship begins to wane. We may quite naturally begin to look for other ways to fill the void in our lives that this causes, and it is easy to rationalize turning to others to meet our need, but God calls us to work through these tough times with our spouse and to put our marriages back on track by being attentive to our spouse rather than vindictive. The crux of our Christianity, however, is the ability to choose to work through the tough times to reach the ultimate aim on our agenda. When the one we love becomes the one we hate, we have the best opportunity to exercise our Christianity. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48, you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. A woman that was having a problem with her husband spoke to her counselor. She asked, my husband and I just aren't getting along and I have a great deal of resentment toward him. I just can't stand to be physical with him. Isn't it hypocritical to express love sexually when you have such negative feelings toward the person? The counselor said, perhaps it would be helpful for us to distinguish between love as a feeling and love as an action. If you claim to have feelings that you do not have, that is hypocritical, and such false communications is not the way to build intimate relationships. But if you express an act of love that is designed for the other person's benefit or pleasure, it is simply a choice. You are not claiming 
that the action grows out of a deep emotional bonding. You are simply choosing to do something for his or her benefit. I think this must be what Jesus meant. Certainly, we do not have warm feelings for people who hate us. That would be abnormal. However, we can do loving acts for them. That is simply a choice. We act positively toward them in hope that such loving acts will have a positive effect on their attitudes and behavior and treatment because we have decided to do something positive for them. Our lives will not follow the pattern of Christ if we only do that which we are moved to do by our emotions. To say, I don't feel like it, and then fail to act when faced with keeping our commitment is the least Christ-like thing that we can do. Quite often, God fixes it so that our emotions respond to our actions rather than leading our actions, meaning that the feeling that we need to motivate us to do that which we are supposed to do comes after we begin doing it. God tells us in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you and be measured back to you. The key to a fulfilling marital relationship is to be giving. Not judging, not condemning, but giving. Jesus gave his life on the cross on Friday and received it back from God early on Sunday morning. We must give ourselves through the speaking of words of affirmation to our spouse, spending quality time with our spouse, giving gifts to our spouse, committing to and performing routine acts of service for our spouse, and providing our spouse with the physical touch that they need to thrive. We need to investigate one another to find out the specific sign of love that our spouse needs so that we can give our spouse that which they need, not that which we need, and give it to them in order that our relationships might grow and our marriages might improve and our needs might be met and that we might be able to continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The marital relationship is the relationship in which we can most closely express the love of Christ. The real Christ-like relationship was not just between Christ and man, but between Christ and God. And God has such a loving relationship with Christ that he was able to send him to show us the love that he wants us to emulate. In John 14, 23 and 24, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine but the fathers who sent me. God created us with the design that we would become one. God sent his son Jesus Christ to show us an example of the proper expression of the love that would lead us into the oneness that he wants us to have and that he wanted us to have originally. 
the purpose of our lives is to emulate the love of God in giving ourselves to one another. As our text, John 3.16, tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that is our lesson for today. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you for this lesson for today, and we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to uh, develop the sacrificial love for our spouses that you had for us. And we thank you for the sacrifice that you gave, that you traveled through the train of nature and came down as a baby, that you grew up through adolescence into manhood and then walked the streets of Palestine ministering to the people for three and a half years doing nothing but good and then gave yourself as a sacrifice on that old rugged cross up on Calvary's hill, that you hung your head in the locks of your shoulder and died, that, that you might be buried and that you might rise from the dead as an example, as an exhibit to us, that the power of love can conquer all, even sin, death, hell, and the grave. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help us today as as we go down from this place and return to the domicile where our marital partners are. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to uh, espouse this, uh, this message of love. Help us to develop a methodology to communicate our love to them in such a way uh, that they can understand it, in such a way that they can most receive it. And then we ask you, Lord, that uh, you would give them the mind to reciprocate that same love that we're showing. And we're asking you, Lord, that you would bind us together with cords of love that cannot be broken. We just pray for all that in the house today, and we ask you to give us traveling mercies as we go down from this place and then bring us back once again at the appointed time. And now, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross arising from the dead on that Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and thank God. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you this morning that you've given us another opportunity to come out to the house. Now we thank you for those who have come for the lively discussion that we've had and we for the meeting of the minds. And we ask you, Lord, that you keep our minds clear on these topics and help us to uh, understand that which your word says so that we can live our lives according to that which you would have us to do. We're continuing in prayer for Dr. Allen and his family, thanking you for those whom he is concerned about and asking you that you continue to bless him. Praying for Sister Allen, who's not able to make it out this morning. She says she had a bad morning, and we ask you, Lord, that you would give her strength in her body and enable her to uh, continue to function as she is going to pick up those young children and work with them today. And we ask you, Lord, that you give us strength. We're praying for the store, asking you that you continue to allow it to provide them that which they need to uh, uh, to survive in this economy. Uh, we're praying for Maury and Dwayne Curtis, and we're asking you for their uh, marriage to come back together. Praying for Brother Hardrick, and we're asking you, Lord, that uh, you bless him as he's going home from the hospital and uh, that you allow things to uh, work well for him as he goes into a new environment. We're praying for Brother Wilson. 
ask you to continue to help him as he is dealing with that colon cancer. We're praying for her children and her grandchildren. We ask you that you bless all that she has put on her list uh, that we might be that she might be able to have a glorious testimony of your goodness and your mercy and your grace as it pertains to them. Lord, I'm praying for my wife this morning. I'm asking you, Lord, that uh, you would heal her body, that you would open up her sinuses and allow her head to unclog and all those things that uh, she might be able to uh, function well. And we're praying for those about whom she is concerned. And we're asking you, Lord, that you continue to bless Mother Z as she is coming back from that. We're asking you, Lord, also that you be with uh, Brother Cecil Wills and that you would uh, give him a special portion of your mercy and just keep his body and we have prayed for his wife as well that you keep her in her right mind that they might be able to enjoy these days that these senior days that they have left we are of course continuing in prayer for Paul and we're asking Lord that you bless him as he travels up and down dangerous highways and that you would continue to give him uh, the, the uh, knowledge and the information and the wisdom that he needs to uh, take care of those projects upon which he is working at his job, allow him to do well uh, as they give him more and more responsibility. Now, Lord, we're praying for Rick and Nikki, and we're asking you, Lord, that you bless the two of them. They understand that uh, Rick is headed back, must be headed back by this time uh, to his deployment in Germany. And we ask you, Lord, that you, let, that you let the traveling be safe, that you keep him over there, that uh, you would keep him in Germany out of harm's way, and that if his, if his unit has to rotate through back to Iraq, uh, that you would keep that hedge of protection around him, that he might be able to uh, go and come back safely, and we pray for his young wife. We ask you, Lord, that you would give her that which she requires uh, to maintain their relationship over distance. We know how difficult that is to, to be uh, affiliated with someone that you cannot see and cannot get close to and we ask you Lord that you would give her strength as she is in that situation. Continuing in prayer for Eric and Amanda asking you Lord that uh, you bless her as she is coming near nearer to the end of her gestation period and that you make the child a healthy child that they might be able to enjoy and uh, just give them that blessing. We're praying for Brother Edwards and his kids. It's back to school tomorrow. We ask you Lord that you give them little steel trap minds so that as they go into the classroom, once again, they will be able to understand and remember that which the teacher tells them that they need to have. Give them focus, give them clarity that they might be able to learn and do well. We're also praying for Brother Edwards as he has to go back to work tomorrow. We ask you to give him traveling mercies on the dangerous highway and that you allow him to get there and do his business and make it back home safely. We pray uh, for his wife as well. We ask that you continue to bless in her situation. We're also praying for his grandmother and asking you to bless them as well. Now, Lord, we're praying for uh, Brother Lee and those about whom he's concerned. We're praying that uh, you would help his wife as uh, she is once again uh, going through an emotional situation with pertaining to the death of her uh, mother. And we just ask you, Lord, that you would be a mother uh, for the motherless, that you would give her the comfort, give her that peace that passes all understanding. Keep her heart and her mind in Christ Jesus. Give her that which she requires, Lord, to come through this situation. We just ask you, Lord, that you go with her, stand by her, and bless her uh, as she is going through this uh, sense of personal bereavement. And that you give her uh, good memories of the good times 
that they might be able to enjoy and uh, that they might be able to uh, remember fondly those things that happened earlier in her life. Also praying for Sandy Lonnie, we ask me that you bless her and in her sick room situation, uh, that you go with her and stand by her and give those doctors who are working on her case the ability to figure out what the problem is and to give her a remedy for it. And then that you would reach down and touch her with your finger of love that we know is able uh, to heal. Uh, you do so just with a touch. So just touch her this morning. Grandpa Cedric, as he has to go back to school tomorrow, we ask you that you bless his mind as well and give him that which he needs to pick up all the things that the teachers are saying. And we ask you, Lord, that you prepare Darius as he has another week to go before he actually has to go back. And we ask you, Lord, that you go with him and stand by him when he goes back, that he might be able to learn those things uh, that they are uh, asking him there in his last term as a senior. Just go with him and stand by him as he prepares for that. Now, Lord, we're also praying for our brother McClure. and We're asking you, Lord, that you continue to bless his family as they are uh, back from Louisiana, we thank you that you gave them traveling mercies, although the trip was difficult, that they made it back safely and that they were able to uh, enjoy themselves and, and then make it back. We thank you that the transportation did hold up, although it was late. But we ask you, Lord, that you continue to go with them as they are recuperating from their trip. Just stand by them, allow them to get the rest that they require uh, today as they uh, get ready for tomorrow. And we're continuing in prayer for Brother Hale and uh, for, for Janelle as she has to continue to, as she has to get ready to go back to work, uh, back to school. We pray for JJ as he's going back today. And we're asking, Lord, that you would give him uh, that which he needs in order to uh, learn all that is being taught over at uh, Central. Just go with him and stand by and allow him to bring back a report that would be excellent uh, for those who have to look at it. We're thanking you, Lord, that Brother Horton is doing well, and we're asking that you continue uh, to be with him. And we're just asking, Lord, that you go with all of the ones that Brother McClure is concerned about. Now, Lord, I'm praying for the Winston family as well, asking you to continue to bless Brother Winston's back and Sister Winston's shoulder as well. Now, Lord, I'm praying for Dad uh, down in Chicago as he's facing cataract surgery. We're asking you, Lord, that you'd make it a routine day for the doctor, routine and uneventful. Just a standard, ordinary procedure with no uh, excitement, nothing out of the way happening. Just We just ask you just to make it as boring as possible that day, or that they might be able to, that dad might be able to recover from that just normally. And we're continuing in prayer for Uncle Jab and Aunt Elizabeth, Uncle James and Aunt Barbara. We're asking you, Lord, that you continue to bless Aunt Barbara's mind as uh, she has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and that you would give her clarity and lucidity of mind. You know that the doctors don't have any good medicine for that, but that you have more medicine in the hem of your garment, enough to make the whole world whole. So we ask that you'd extend your hem to her that she might touch it and be made well. Continuing in prayer for Naomi, asking you to continue to bless her. Uh, for the others on the list, for Brother Perkins and for Brother uh, Northern and for their young families, go with them and stand by them as they are continuing to raise those young children in the way that they should go so that, so that when they get old, they will not depart from them. But now, Lord, we thank you for this place that you've given us here, for this lesson and for the ways that we have to try to make it as plain as possible. Help us to live according to your word this week and then bring us back once again 
at the appointed time that we might be able to learn more about your word. And Lord, I pray for my wife who's the love of my life. I'm asking that you continue to bless her, help her, Lord, as she is struggling with that little cold that she has. I take it away from her and give her a full function that she might be able to do that which she plans to do later on in the week. And now, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for rising from the dead on that Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen and thank you. Jesus Christ died on the cross that, we, that our sins might be forgiven. He came down physically and extended his physical love to us by his sacrifice on the cross. And as we go down from this place, let us remember the physical nature of love as we extend it to one another. Let's remember all that Jesus Christ did for us and let us remember him now as we eat and drink together. Remember the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit. Rest within the Bible that's now henceforth and forevermore. But every heart says.